Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back, my friends, to the BJJ Brick Podcast. You've got the dynamic duo coming at you today. <laughs> <laughs> that would be Byron Jabara and Joe Thomas. Uh, Gary is coaching a basketball uh, game right now, and so uh, Byron and I are taking it. This week, we've got uh, Josh Myers on the show. Uh, Josh has been to both BJJ Brick events. He's a cancer survivor and a hardcore jiu-jitsu practitioner, so it's great to have him on the show. Josh, thanks for taking time to be on here with us. Byron, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, Yeah, we're missing Gary. As as hard of a time as we give each other, (laughs) it sure is nice when all three of us can show up and uh, and be here together. But hey, we, we like to be... We try to be as consistent as we can with this, and some weeks it just turns out that one of us can't always make it at the same times. And uh, it's good to have you here, Joe. And uh, yeah, super excited to get to get Josh on the phone here. One of those guys that you meet, and like, man, this guy's got an interesting story. Uh, you know, great story about jujitsu and how it affected his life. He's got a great outlook on life, and uh, happy to bring his story to you guys. Just this could be anybody. This could be anybody you roll with. Just a fellow training partner, and you know. Working a job, doing this as a side thing for fun, having a great time, and uh, it actually he credits it with saving his life. <laughs> so uh, that's that's pretty neat. But we'll bring that to you in a little bit. Uh, I I am excited to hear. You know, Joe's got an off the mat lesson, so we're we're doing this uh, one man short. Joe's got his hands full. <laughs> 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 what, what do you have this week for the off the mat lesson? Well, um, I had an interesting opportunity here a couple weeks ago. I'm going to start at the beginning of the story. So when my son was in fifth, sixth grade and his name's Ivan, he, he met a guy named Todd who was a grade ahead of him and they became best friends and they uh, did the Air Force Junior ROTC together in high school. And when Todd graduated, he joined the Army. And when Ivan graduated a year later, he joined the Army. So they were in the Army together and they both got out a year or so ago. And... Uh, and Todd's become like part of our family. You know, he's he's been real helpful to us anytime we need something and a great kid. And about six months ago, he approached me and said, uh, hey, Joe, Vicky and I are getting married and we'd like for you to do the wedding. And I'm like, wait, wait. <laughs> do, do you know, do you know me? <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah, no, yeah, we'd, we'd be honored to have you. Uh, I'm like, you mean the minister? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, let me think about it for a little bit, Todd. And I, I called Ivan up, and I'm like, Ivan, you know Todd asked me to be the minister at their wedding, and is he just having a hard time finding somebody else? And I was like, no, Dad, he really wants you to do it. So I talked to my wife, and I said, man, that's a big day for somebody else, and I'm worried that I'll screw it up. I, I'm not sure I want this pressure. My wife's like, nah, you'll be fine. Um, go for it. So I got together with Todd and Vicky, and we had a couple of meetings and decided how they'd like their wedding to look, and uh, my wife and I made the arrangements, and... Um, much to my surprise, it turned out to be a perfect wedding for them. I mean, I'm not saying I did a great job, but I did the job that was right for them. And uh, I was pretty relieved afterwards. And, and what I, and what I kind of learned from this, I, I, I looked back on and I thought, you know, I'm capable, and, and this is true for everybody, I'm capable of doing more than I think I am. You know, um, and that's, that's true for everybody. Your, your coach says, uh, hey, I've got... Uh, I'd like a, a few nights off a month. What do you think about teaching on Friday nights or something? And a lot of people, our first reaction is, oh, I'm not qualified. I don't know enough about it. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a good teacher. And we have all kinds of excuses why we can't or don't feel qualified to do it. And I guess what I just like to encourage people to do is you can't say yes to everything. Sometimes maybe you are underqualified. But when you're presented with an opportunity, at least take some time to consider it. Um, talk to your your support group, your wife, your your friends, whoever, and at least give it a good uh, a good chance. So uh, don't don't let an opportunity pass you by. I guess that's the life lesson. Yeah, and and it, it sounds like you did a great job, Joe. And uh, I think in this sort of situation, you'd be your hardest, your most difficult critic as far as if you bumbled it up or changed the order or something or forgot what to say. You would be probably more hard on yourself than anybody, but because you you feel good about it, I know you did a great job. Thanks. And it's uh, and and I would almost guarantee to anybody listening that 
if you put the work into it, whatever opportunity you're given, I think you'll feel the same way afterwards too. You might think, oh, I'm not interested or qualified to teach a class. But if your coach gives you the opportunity and you put the work into it, I think you'll look back a couple months later and say, yeah, this is actually working out pretty good and, and I'm getting something from it. The other students are getting something from it. So a uh, great experience all around. Yeah. And in that situation, like, okay, maybe I'll start teaching Fridays, give coach a day off. Well, I can't do that. Well, if you did do that, what would, what would you teach the first day? Well, I would teach sweeps from the guard. Okay, now the week goes by, what would you teach after that? And then have a couple of things. All you could do, if you have just a couple ahead of time, and you have time to kind of work out what you would teach and how you would show it, I think you could just keep that. That's basically what we do with the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it is, actually. We just keep that ball rolling, and, and we grow and get better. We get guys like Josh on here uh, that, that come in, and we want to bring to you guys. And it's like, you, you'll make it happen when the time gets there. Yep. I like that, Byron, how you broke that down to, to look at a, a, a smaller mountain instead of Mount Everest. So, yeah, if you say, can you teach every other Friday for the next five years? Man, that is huge. But if you think, <laughs> can I teach a Friday night class? The answer for most people is yes. And then if you could teach one, you could teach two. And then you just take it from there. And before you know it, you've been teaching Friday nights for the last five years. So, um, yeah, that's that's a great way to look at that. Yeah, and you haven't done anything exciting on Friday night other than jiu-jitsu. No, no <laughs> dates, no dinners, no. <laughs> the but coach the coach is, is having a good time. A good time. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's broken down for you guys. Uh, if if you need your training broken down in a different way, I've got an audio book for you. It's called Six BJJ Training Games, and I think the the main game that we all play all the time is just get a good position and submit somebody. That's what we do when we roll. We try to get to a dominant position and then in a submission. And if you tweak that to where that's not your goal anymore, your goal might be to model your coach's method of rolling, do exactly what your coach would do. So I'm going to I'm going to model, uh, you know, like say Jake Fox's game plan. I might pull half guard. I might try to do a certain sweep he does. I might try to end with a Kimura. Like these things are not things that I do. But the good thing is. I've got a guy who's very qualified to help me along that way right next to me. So if I'm running into problems with, with that person's game, I get, hey, coach, <laughs> what am I doing wrong here? Well, I've done that wrong. It was, it was two years ago when people start, started doing that to me. So hey, here's the solution to that problem. So the, the benefit of modeling someone else's game is somebody's worked out the kinks already, and you don't have to work and discover everything, little nuance of their game, because uh, and especially if you model somebody whose game is in your gym. That's a it's a great learning opportunity for you. That's just one of the games. Model someone, and uh, there's five other games on here. Just change your goals as you roll. So in that example, my goal may not be to to get the submission like Jake's is. My goal might be to emulate Jake's game enough to where uh, he's like, oh, "That's really good. That look 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 like my sweep," and and it's just it's a way to grow your jujitsu in a different way. And uh, it's five ninety nine. It's much like a podcast. It's just an audio file. It's a little over an hour long. And uh, the money goes and helps support the show. There'll be a link in the show notes. It's called Six BJJ Training Games. I'll be happy to see you there. I'll be telling you about these games. Yeah, and the great thing about the book, you might be listening to this, you might think, well, that's a dollar a game. I don't know if it's really worth it. That's actually a pretty good bargain. But it's more than that because it opens your mind to the whole concept of handicapping yourself or challenging yourself in different ways. I don't know if this necessarily fits into any of Byron's six games, but I, I'm sort of taking positions out of my out of the realm of possibilities right now. I've been kind of lazy and just defaulting to half guard all the time. So I've just set a rule for myself right now. I will not go to half guard first. I mean, if my opponent forces me there, I'll play it. But I'm feet on the hips. I'm closed guard. I'm anything else because I've just gotten lazy and I just default to that. And if you get Byron's book and you kind of take it to heart – that sort of stuff, it'll just open a whole new realm of possibilities for you. So buy the book, get better at jujitsu. Yeah. Uh, Joe, we got on this kick way back when we had Gary on the show. <laughs> An episode ago, last episode, most, you know, vast majority of 300 plus episodes. But anyway, we did this thing where we did a Ninja, a Ninja Turtle, but not really Ninja Turtle, one of the artists that is portrayed by the Ninja Turtles. Not portrayed, named after. <laughs> no, wait, the artist is not named after the Ninja Turtle. Vice versa, the Ninja Turtle was named after the artist. But we, we started with, I don't know if it's Michelangelo, but uh, this week, might as well keep on going with this Ninja Turtle theme here and get one from Raphael. 
and uh, or Rafael. I think it's Rafael. <laughs> it depends. Is he from Brazil? <laughs> uh, I think he's from the sewers of uh, I don't know New York area. <laughs> okay. So w- with this quote, uh, it's a bit uh, it's a bit more intense than I was anticipating getting because I don't know. I'm just looking for the Ninja Turtle names and then a quote. But here we go. Time is a vindictive bandit to steal the beauty of our former selves. We are left with a sagging, rippled flesh and burning gums with empty sockets. <laughs> that was Raphael. And Man, you sent that out to us. And I'm like, wow, that's almost a little bit dark. <laughs> so it is kind of dark. But, but time has an effect on everybody. And you need to realize that, I think, in order to have a that long-term jujitsu journey. You could go from, you know, you can go from 20 to 30 and play the same game and, and not really worry about, you know, playing an older style of grappling. You can go to 35, you can go to 40. You can, I don't know what your number is, but eventually you could, you're going to have to say, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore because I think that's going to be injury prone for me. Maybe I, I don't have the athletic ability that I once had to pull off a certain technique. Time is going to affect everybody, and if you just look at some of the some of the great grapplers that have gotten older, you know they, they probably play a little differently than they did when they were a lot younger, competing at the top level, and that's okay. I think if we don't make that mental adjustment, as you know, what I'm getting older. For me, triangle choke used to be one of my favorite chokes, and the problem that what happened is I would occasionally get stacked, and then sometimes when I get stacked. It would, it would bother my lower back. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to not do triangles anymore. Because, and I don't know if it's because I'm getting older. Maybe my back's just had enough of this or whatever. But it's the same thing. I had to change what I was doing. I had to take away something I was really good at and uh, replace it with some other things. But if I didn't make that adjustment, I don't know if I'd still be able to do jiu-jitsu in the, in the way that I do it. Uh, I've since tried to bring it back a little bit. I realized that I'm one of my wife's biggest... Uh, or most common training partners and I would never triangle her. And so when I would do it, it would be like, what is going on here? Like, okay, she needs to be exposed to more triangle chokes. So I've started bringing back a few triangle chokes to her and a few other training partners that I feel uh, pretty comfortable with that won't just smash me uh, as they escape. But it's still a very limited amount of triangles that I'm, that I'm doing on the mats. And uh, it's just, that, that was, I think that was an adjustment that I've made to my own game to keep me on the mats longer. Nice. Yep. So that that's a great way to look at this. Um, when you first sent this to us, we, we don't always have uh, the privilege or the opportunity to look <laughs> at a quote for a week in advance. But uh, Byron actually floated this one by us last week. And I felt challenged to try and find something uh, positive or uplifting about it and, and relate it to jujitsu. And I, I finally kind of came away with taking the quote as a challenge. That time is a vindictive bandit, ah. and it's doing all that it can to beat you. Are you going to accept that, or are you going to go to jujitsu? You're going to train smart. You're going to eat smart. You're going to take care of yourself. You know that, that's kind of what I ended up coming away with. It that yeah, time is always trying to beat you, and are you going to let it happen, or are you going to do what you can to stave off the effects of time? So. Uh, in very interesting quote, one of the deeper quotes we've had, I think. Yeah, I, I like that, uh, Joe. I, I remember when I was younger, <laughs> doing jiu-jitsu <laughs> in my early twenties. I would I would go to bed sore. I would I would sometimes drive home and not be able to really look at my blind spot in my car because my neck was too sort of sore to turn. My body would be aching, whatever, and I would basically almost always wake up feeling good. Like in the course of the night, <laughs> I would I would get get better. That doesn't happen to me anymore. <laughs> like if I if I go to bed sore, I'm probably gonna wake up a bit sore still. And that that's just that's just one example of that time thing. But it, I need to I need to to realize that that I can't train safely. That like I don't know I don't have the same body I used to have uh, as far as being able to heal quickly, and 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 time is working at pulling me. Uh, you know, off the mat for more injury time or more, you know, banged up time or that sort of thing. Am I going to allow that or am I going to train smarter? Like you're saying, Joe, like uh, make some adjustments there, stay on the mat. That's, that's the big thing. If you miss a week of training, <laughs> you're not just, you can think of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm down a week because I, I was too sore, too banged up, but really 
you didn't stay where you are. You might have lost, you know, a, a, a little bit of your ability that you had, but you should be ahead of where you are because you missed a week of training. So not only, uh, you know, uh, you know, missing time is, is really hard on you as far as, as, as continued growth in, in anything. But yeah. uh, time's coming after you, Joe. You got to fight yeah. it. <laughs> you got to you, you got to you got to take it head on and uh, and and do your best. And jiu-jitsu could definitely be a tool to help you fight off uh, that time from stealing, uh, which you have and leaving you with a sagging ripple to flesh <laughs> with burning gums and empty sockets. That is pretty dark. <laughs> yeah. That's our Raphael it, quote. <laughs> and if you're a younger guy listening to this, maybe you're still in your early thirties and you hear old guys talking all the time and it's like just fighting one injury after another. And there is some truth to that, but by and large, the guys in their fifties that are doing jujitsu are way healthier, way more capable, way more fit than the rest of our peer group. You know, so uh, it's a like you said, it's a great activity to help stave off the uh, effects of time. Yeah, we got a, a kid who's probably like around sixteen, and he just he's like Gumby. He, gets, he folds in half and does stuff like I couldn't. I man, I'd be gone for two weeks if that if it did that. He's doing that to himself. <laughs> yeah, I watch but, those kind of kids get caught in a Kimura and their arms clear up behind their head, and I'm just cringing, waiting for something to snap. And they get out of it, and they go on like nothing happened. I'm man. like, I wouldn't be able to use that arm for a month after yeah. that. And I don't like to apply Kimuras to people like that either. I, I don't either. I quit because I am not going to be holding on to somebody's arm when it snaps. I just, uh, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> another guy who probably wouldn't be doing that would be our friend Josh Meyer. So, uh, We've all had the the opportunity to get on some mat time with Josh and uh, excited to bring him to you now. So here is Josh Myers. He is the most interesting grappler in the world. He once started a wave at ADCC. 23 people drowned. He has vowed to never repeat this act of carelessness. He did forward rolls to the top of Mount Everest. He once stripped so hard he accidentally opened a red lobster. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the BJJ Brick Podcast. Go for the submission, my friends. All right, my friends, I'm happy to bring Josh Myers to the BJJ Brick Podcast. Josh, welcome to the show. Again, I guess. <laughs> Yes, yes, good to good to be here again, Byron. I appreciate it. You, you made a, a brief appearance on uh, during the BJJ Brick Camp. You you were there, and 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 all three of us really uh, bonded with you, and, and and we're having a good time on the mat. So uh, we, we brought you on just for a few words in that episode. So uh, welcome back. Yeah, it's going to be great. I uh, you definitely surprised me whenever you guys hollered at me and wanted me to come over at the. Uh, <laughs> At the BJJ Brick event, that's for sure. Yeah, well, I'm thanks. a little more prepared. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did great. That was uh, just anybody wants to go back and check out. That was episode three hundred seven. But uh, Josh, tell us a little bit about uh, you know what got you started in jujitsu. All right. Well, like I said uh, before, I live in a pretty small community, and there's not you know this type of thing wasn't really really available to me. I knew a little bit about martial arts, but not not anything, anything major. And a good friend of mine, Peg McNally, that trained up at uh, Combative Sports Center in Manhattan, moved home, and he was just really needing to get back into jiu-jitsu. And so he decided to open up a gym. And he uh, called me one day and said, hey, why don't you come in and let's do some jiu-jitsu. And I was like, what are you talking about? What jiu-jitsu? I've never even heard of it before. So I, you know, I YouTube did a little bit, and and was like, well, let's let's give it a try. So I went in and uh, started in the basement of an old old uh, junior high, and uh, there was about five or six of us, and we trained for a couple years there, and uh, and then we moved to another town, and we're actually still working out of the basement of a of an old junior high that was shut down in town, but uh, it's it's been a wild ride, been about four years since I started. So it's, it's been awesome. Life-changing. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And you say life-changing, but uh, I, I like the, uh, it's a different junior high, but it's still a junior high. That's kind of funny. I never even, never thought about it, but it was like, yeah, we went to one town's shut down junior high and we went to another town's 
<laughs> basement <laughs> of their junior high. Hit. But uh, they, the school board gives us only makes us pay like fifty dollars a month or something for it. So it that's was like nice. kind of hard to turn down. Yeah, <laughs> that's and for people out there looking for a place that's a very affordable, maybe look at the junior highs. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, you know, just here in Wichita, Gary and I uh, trained at the police academy, uh, and and in years ago, it used to be in a old great like grade school, and it was it was mm-hmm. just it was just a kind of older building that they got away from. But it was funny because the drinking fountains were really short. <laughs> so <laughs> I doubt that's yep. the same thing in junior high, but it was kind of funny to be in an old grade school. I had to kneel down to get a drink mm-hmm. out of the fountain. There's still. There's still signs in the hallway telling kids to be quiet. And I don't think there's been any classes there for like ten years. So <laughs> that's funny. Um, so you, you mentioned jujitsu has been life changing. How has it been life changing? Well, I mean, besides just the in general, my, I've always been an active person. I've always been somebody that's that's been athletic. But into my adult years, I mean, I worked. I had a you know starting a family being active wasn't really something that I was too concerned about. I just, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of time to do that. Uh, so getting into jujitsu has really just helped the way I feel physically, mentally. Um, I mean, there, it, there's so many benefits to it that I have found that I would, I, I, there's probably not many people that I meet at this point that I don't say, you should try Brazilian jujitsu. I think, you know, it, it'd be good for you, you know, because I really, I really do believe it could, there's something that could help for just about everybody out there. Um, you know, but I guess, I guess the main part was whenever I was actually diagnosed with cancer in, uh, November of 2017, and it was due to, uh, injury that I sustained while training for the, the Sunflower State Games that year. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that it sucked that it happened, and I hated that it happened, but without Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, that injury never would have occurred, and it could have been a lot worse. So what do you, what do you mean? What, what happened that got, that got you injured, and, and how did that result in you getting diagnosed with cancer? So we were, we were rolling, rolling one evening. You know, we had trained, and... Uh, me and a guy by the name of Jeremy Nelson, he was a, a purple belt that was training with us, great guy. And we were just, weren't even, you know, we weren't going competition hard, but we were going fairly hard. And he came around to take my bike back, and as he came around, he happened to just clock me right in the cheek. And I kind of knew at that point, you know, it was, I knew it was cut. You know, I was spitting a little bit of blood out. We finished our round, and and uh, it was what it was, you know, I looked at it when I got home and it was just a cut, you know, I didn't, didn't think too much about it. It was inside your uh, mouth. Yeah. It was okay. on the inside of my cheek. So it actually, it was from my mouth guard and it was ran right along uh, the edge of where my teeth come together. And, uh, Oh, it was, it was a couple weeks, probably it's probably almost three weeks before I ever even mentioned the thing to my wife. Honestly, I just kind of kept doing what I was doing. It was no big deal. I'm going to tough it out, you know, just like every man out there. It's going to let it heal naturally. And uh, about, oh, into September or so, it was time to get the thing, thing checked out. It was uh, getting pretty bad. It was swollen. It wouldn't heal. It hurt to eat things like that, so it was, uh, I went into the doctor, they weren't too concerned about it, you know, it was, but it was a little more than what just the, the doctor here in town could handle, so he wanted me to go to see a specialist, and I had, uh, I had actually already, I had just changed jobs, and my insurance and stuff was kind of, I had it, but I hadn't got a card yet, so I didn't really want to go to a specialist, because, all I could think of was how expensive it was going to be. Um, so I, I pushed it off a little bit longer. Um, we get to the end of October. So, I mean, I've been dealing with this thing for almost two months um, because it happened on September 11th. Finally, I decided, all right, let's, let's get in here to this uh, ear, nose, and throat specialist. 
and uh, went to that doctor's appointment, and they uh, looked at it and asked if he could call in a couple of his colleagues to look at it, and I'm thinking, okay, all right, this is getting a little bit weird, Man, so they yeah, come in yeah. and look at it, and uh, at that point, they decided that they wanted to do a biopsy, and they were they were pretty positive it wasn't cancer because, you know, I'm not, the risk factors just weren't there. I'm a light drinker. I don't smoke. I don't chew. You know, none of those major risk factors were really there. So they just, they were just pretty sure it wasn't cancer. But uh, so they, they do the biopsy. They, they told me, you know, it could be a couple different types of cancer if it was, but they really didn't believe it was. So they send me home that day. Um, pretty shaken up to be real honest you know cancer had never been thought of that wasn't something that that uh i was concerned about you know so, i was expected to go in and get stitches or something yeah <laughs> so 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 josh I, it, it's hard for me to understand like okay so you have this this cut inside your mouth and it seems like 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 the night you got the cut you looked at it i'm sure how long did you think it was going to he- take to heal? A couple of days, or was it like a pretty I, bad you know, thing? Honestly, it was. I mean, it was pretty bad. I was. I was honestly thinking a, it'd be a couple weeks okay. before it was completely healed. Man, okay. But I mean, <laughs> generally, in your mouth, they seem to heal fairly yeah. quick. You know, you think about things like that. You know, a couple of days usually they feel better, and I just kept pushing it off and pushing it off. You know, and. Uh, Okay. Yeah, so, so now we, it's been it's been quite a while and Yeah, it's been quite a while at this point. We're talking the end of end of October. Um finally they uh come in on November 9th and uh <clears throat> they called me back finally. We get the call, you know, and yeah. he, he says, "All right, it is cancer." Okay, well, and he said, but that's all we know right now. We don't know the kind, and there's a good chance that it could be a what they considered an HPV-related cancer, apparently, in a, which an HPV is an STD, and nobody wants to be diagnosed with an STD, obviously, but at this point, if that was the cause of the cancer, that was a good thing. So I was, you know, we were kind of hoping for that. And they said, well, it'll be another three days before they get that result. Okay, man. So that's, that's got to, you keep getting this news and you have to wait to hear the answer. Yes. Yes. It's, it was a pretty, I mean, stressful, just, I, it was horrible. Yeah. I looked at my phone all day long. Anytime I heard a phone ring, I ran to my phone, you know, looking at it, wondering if I should call, you know, things things like that. So they, they finally call me back and he tells me that no, it's not a, not a HPV related cancer, that it is a squamous cell carcinoma, which is basically just a your average skin cancer, um, or a strain of skin cancer. So, I mean, at this point, yeah, it's okay. Well, how did this happen? So is you that know? so? I, okay, I, I think of skin skin cancer, and I think of like a like a, a you know a sunburn, and then the, then a mole mm-hmm. appears. Was this like the skin inside your mouth, like the or was it yep. in the, okay? There's actual skin inside my mouth. Yeah. Okay, so I've never heard of that. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Man. apparently there's just not a whole lot of it out there. Okay, I mean there's just it isn't something that they do a whole lot. So after I got that diagnosis, they said, well, we wanted to send you to the to the doctor there in Wichita. He'll look at it, and then uh, we'll see what he wants to do as far as uh, surgeries go. And they said, you know, there's a good chance that he could still just go in there, cut it out, be done with it. Okay, so that's, you know, that was a positive thing. So we go up there, and he looks at it, and within five minutes, he said, well, he said, I really don't have anything I can do for you here. He oh, said, man. I'm going to call up to KU Med Center in Kansas City. I said, okay. So you he keep said, getting pushed like, up and up the, the, the chain yeah, of... Uh... Yeah. 
Yeah, it's and it was it was crazy because he said there was only two teams. It was going to take a team of surgeons, and there was only two teams of surgeons in the United States at the time that were performing the surgery that needed to be done. Um, one was in Kansas City at KU Med, and one was down at Houston. So it was kind of it was like, all right, well, I guess KU, here we come. We're going to see what happens. So we. Headed up to KU and met with my met with an oncologist and met with, you know, did all my scans and and everything up there, and they at this point started, you know, we set my surgery date for December, so I was diagnosed in November 9th, and it seemed like it was a slow process, but within a month, December 15th, I was set for surgery. They kind of came through and they told us what they were going to do, cut it out, and they were going to have to do a skin graft on the inside. And didn't seem like, I mean, it seemed like a big deal, but it didn't seem extreme. It didn't, you know, you just, they didn't seem like it was that big of a deal. So the, the, and, they're cutting out a section of skin uh, and then they, they graft, where do they graft this other skin from? So there's actually on my forearm of my left arm, they took out probably a three inch by three inch uh, graph right there. That okay. was actually a tissue graph, and it was it has the fatty tissues, it has the blood vessels, it has all that stuff because they needed all of the plumbing and everything for the blood vessels and all that to go inside my mouth. So they were cutting it out of the inside of my mouth, and they're putting this piece in there to try to replicate that type of skin. Okay, man. Okay, sorry. I didn't mean to. to I was just no, curious no. how that worked. It's it, it's a crazy process. So then then I have this hunk of skin, you know, this hunk of tissue out of my left arm that they had to do another skin graft off of my leg. And actually put that skin over the top of where they they cut out that tissue. So are so they it, are they just taking like a layer or two of skin, or are they taking pretty deep? Like I don't understand how you heal no, from something like arm, that. On my arm, they took very deep. Like okay. I can still to this day look down and I can see my tendons like oh. through the through the skin. It's that it's it's that thin, but the the tissue that they actually put in my mouth was probably a quarter inch thick okay man i mean they took it they took it all the way down to muscle okay and then your, then your leg was to help kind of bridge that gap as far as and the leg that was just that was simply like they didn't even take hair follicles it was such a thin piece of skin that they took it like the hair is still there on my leg oh. it's weird yeah i it honestly just looked like somebody kind of like you just got to skin your leg just a little bit, and that was it. Huh? Just to help you, like help that heal on your arm, but not really. Yeah, pretty much just to cover it up and make something. You know, that was just to basically cover up the spot. Okay, man. So you so, so... Now, whenever whenever they did that, they put my arm in a cast in the in the hospital, so I didn't know what was under there. I just, I had a cast on my arm and whenever they finally pulled it off on the last day, it was like I had 14 inches of staples coming up my arm and I had, I mean, it was, it was wild, pretty crazy. So, so you, you got the graft. Um, is that, was that the kind of conclusion of it or was there more to go from there? No, there was there was definitely more. We got that done. I was in the hospital for uh, seven days. I trying to think. It would have been December twenty second. We were finally able to come home, and uh, it was you know I had a feeding tube the entire time I was there. Um, I had a breathing tube up until the last day or last two days I was there. A trach. Um, it was pretty surreal to uh to go through that stuff i'd never had anything done that i had to have that kind of a that medical assistance you know um but yeah so we get out everything you know they're they got the cancer out with clean margins 
and we're uh, we're very successful with that. Um, they tell me at this point there's a ch- you know there's there's a chance I could have to do chemo, but most likely just radiation. So that's where we started with radiation after I healed up a little bit. So, so did you? Did you call your your grappling buddies and like, hey, that it wouldn't heal, and guess what? I've got I've got cancer. Mm-hmm. Did, how'd that uh, yeah, go? Yeah, I called, I called. Well, like I said, Pake's one of my best one of my best friends, and so he was one of the first first guys I called with the deal. And actually, I think it was. I don't think the night I got diagnosed, I went in, but it was like the next night I went in to go train, and I trained all the way up until about two weeks before I went in for surgery. I mean, I stuck with it. My theory at that point was can't get any worse. Cancer's cancer. I'm not, you know what I mean? I, I'm going to keep training. It, it kept me feeling normal. It kept yeah. things just kind of level, had a place to leave a little bit of aggression that I had built up. Yeah, man. So, so did, did the doctor say anything about it as far as if you didn't find this. I'm guessing they caught the, you got cut in your mouth because there was some cancerous cells there and it was a weaker area, right? Is that, yep. is that uh, you know, what they were saying is basically if I wouldn't have gotten hit and gotten a cut inside my mouth, that there was a good chance that those cancerous cells would have just sat there and kept incubating and incubating because whenever they, they did the surgery, they, 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 take out any lymph nodes that they around the affected area and then they send those in and they check them for for uh, cancer cells and there was out of the 56 i believe lymph nodes they took out um they found cancer cells in two of them so thankfully you know like they said if i wouldn't have got hit in the mouth it had already spread to my lymph nodes. Once it gets in your lymph nodes, it just goes lymph node to lymph node to lymph node and can affect everything in your body. So I was I was very lucky that I uh, that I got smashed in the face. If if that's a weird thing to say, yeah. So did did you did they say like you you actually caught it early? Do you think you've had it for like quite a while before you found it, or um, you, um, you know, did you, you just recently? It had definitely been there for a little while. They uh, never gave me like a, you know, we think it had been been around for months or anything like that. But they said with it having already had been moving into the lymph nodes that they would assume that I had had it for, for a little while anyways. Yeah. I'm g- kind of getting just, just because, uh, you know, just is not like the roughest thing we could do with our bodies, but it's kind of a rough yeah. thing where, where we put ourselves through a little bit of uh, discomfort and, and, and we stress our bodies physically and, and just that uh, caused you to find this. And I think that we should all just kind of be aware of that uh, with ourselves. Like it's, it's a healthy thing to, to push your body a little bit and to, to be a little bit uncomfortable sometimes and to occasionally get cross faced, you know, as long as you're not, yeah. It, you know, doing a lot of damage to yourself. So, uh, you know, looking back, that was actually a great thing that, that you got kind of got, uh, you know, hit, bumped in the face or, or whatever. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, you know, that's what I always told my wife. I said, you know, jujitsu is not a contact sport, but we definitely make contact. It's not you know, a, it's not, <laughs> I would say that is a, con- it's not a striking sport. It's not a strike. There you yeah. Go. There, it's not a striking sport. I like that. Yeah. But, uh, it's, yeah, I would say that I just getting out there and pushing your body like that. Um, you know, you can, it, it's definitely a benefit to your health for sure. Yeah. And, and then I, th- I think, you know, you're like a lot of guys, we get we get something like an injury or we don't feel real good uh and and we a lot of guys I, I probably women as well but i think guys are are typically worse than the, at this we ignore it we know we just want it to go away we want we, you know you've been cut a million times i'm sure and and it oh, heals yeah. and it's not that big a deal you, you don't want to take time off you don't want to you know the insurance thing is in between whatever like and, and i think that part of of jujitsu and part of being a little bit banged up sometimes is maybe we're more sensitive to how long should this 
this bruise or this cut or this achy shoulder take to feel better again? And when it doesn't start to do that, uh, we need to actually be, like pay attention to that. Like, oh, this is actually worse than usual. And, and, and look again, yeah. maybe some help. There's being tough. And then there's, there's just being, being ignorant at, at ignoring your body, I guess, you know? Um, and that's, that's definitely something I've had to find. I'm a, I'm a type one diabetic also. So I have, uh, I kind of won the, the health lottery whenever it came to things like this, but you, you really got to pay attention to your body and let it, you know, if it's, if it's telling you something's, something's going on, there's a good chance that maybe you ought to uh, look into it. So, so really because you were on the mat training, um, it, I mean, you could actually say that, you know, jujitsu, uh, saved your life. Oh, I heard you I, talk I about that. Definitely. Yeah, I I definitely feel like jujitsu saved my life. There's a lot of you know, a lot of people saying that out there and I mean they somebody could mean a lot of different things by it. It could mentally save your life, it could have physically saved your life like me, you know. It if I wouldn't have been out there doing what I wanted to doing what I like to do and taking chances out there on the mat, I wouldn't have got struck and I never would have, you know, it I would have figured it out that I had cancer eventually, but it there's a good chance it would have been, you know, way farther along and things could have been way more serious than they were. Yeah. And yeah, the, 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 yeah, you mentioned there are a number of ways can uh jujitsu could save your life and I think the, probably the most common is uh is just overall fitness. You 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 drop the weight oh, yeah. that that I mean, you're you're a fit guy, but a lot of people come in and and they drop that 30 pounds and they maintain that because they they maintain jujitsu. And, and and that's mm-hmm. a simple way. It, it it may not save it, you know, versus today or tomorrow, but it definitely extends it. And then also quality of life also goes up. Um, you're, you're not only yeah. are you doing yeah. something that you enjoy, but you should get some a few more years at the end of your life that that are of better yeah. quality and longer as well. Heck yeah, yeah. So, that's that's and that's I seem to find you know a couple guys that have come in and trained with us. They're losing weight, and the more weight they lose out there, the the more drive they have to keep coming to class and, and just to keep working hard and they want to see a difference. You know, they want to jujitsu something that you can, you can see then feel that difference as you're, as you're losing that weight. You know, these guys are just, they can really get motivated by it. Yeah, man, that's great. And and you're also uh, an active guy. So, so you, you train quite a bit and and you've been uh, competing as well. Mm -hmm. How's that going? Yep. It's not too bad. Not too bad. I, I got into my first tournament this year for the year. I've done a handful of tournaments, but got into my first tournament for the year. This last uh, would have been at the Wichita Summer Showdown Fuji tournament and managed to, to pull off a bronze medal. So I'm pretty proud of that. And uh, I've done done a tap cancer out tournament, which is an amazing tournament if you ever have a chance to do it. They don't do a lot in the Midwest. They're kind of East Coast, West Coast. Um, I did one in St. Louis, but they are a big fundraising uh, tournament. They, I think the tournament I went to, we raised like forty or $50,000 to go to a, uh, a foundation called Alex's Lemonade Stand, which is basically a... Uh, foundation that does research for to cure juvenile cancers um and it's just a it's it's a great foundation to be a part of for sure and i've been trying to talk to i sent him an email trying to explain to him that i think they could probably put together a pretty successful tournament in wichita but we'll see if they uh they grab onto that yeah Uh, yeah that's great and if you have the opportunity to go uh, to such an event like that, definitely recommend it um, and, and, su- and support that cause. And, and, you know, I know those organizations that do tournaments, they, they look at the calendar, they see where they could get the best uh, bang for their buck for doing, you know, mm-hmm. X amount of tournaments yeah. a year. And sometimes it's hard to, to figure out where they want to put those. But that's awesome. You're out there reaching out, trying to influence them and, and pull them here. Well, I know that in our, you know, in the Midwest, it seems like we have at least in my small community, we have been seeing more and more of the cancers, different, you know, lots of breast cancer, prostate cancers, things like that. And I know there's the support that even my small town 
can give people is just amazing. I mean, you're talking about a town of less than a thousand people. And I mean, they came together and had a benefit for me whenever I was diagnosed and raised almost $30,000 for me, you know, out of a, like I said, out of this small community. So, you know, I feel like, you know, you get a, a tournament like that tap cancer out where they give you the option that I didn't pay to be in the tournament because I raised money for it. So I went out and I raised $350 and that was my entry fee into the tournament. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things I really feel like they're, you know, if they came to this part of the, this part of the area that they could really do really well because people are willing, you know, they're, they're pretty generous when it comes to things like that. Yeah. Josh, I, I, I really appreciate you being on here and sharing your story. I, I do, uh, I want to get uh, something else out of you here. Um, so you had your experience and, and that, and that fight, um, with cancer, but let's just say from the other perspective, a teammate is having, uh, a battle with cancer. How could somebody, what would you say to, to be a good teammate, to be a good supportive person? What could they do to help that, that their teammate that's fighting cancer? Just, just be there for them, you know, send them a message, give them a call. That was my, my teammates were calling me every other day, sending me text messages every day, seeing how I was doing, sending me pictures from the gym. You know, that's, they were there constantly. Peg, he came, he, he drove 45 miles to, to Kiowa to come and see me, you know, once a week or whatever. Um, just let them know you're there. There's not a lot you can do besides just show their, show your support and, you know, let them know that if there's something they need, you'll do what you can do. Yeah. That, that, yeah. There's not a lot. Yeah. I've, I've uh, also grappled with Paik. He's come into Fox a couple times and a uh, great guy, but there's not a lot Paik can do to get rid of your cancer, but there's certainly a lot yeah. he could do to lift your spirits and, and, and make you, uh, you know, feel uh, like, like you got a teammate in this fight, you know? So mm-hmm. uh, that, that's, that's For great sure. advice. And that's, you know, in a bigger gym, you're looking at the coach to, to like, like, hey, uh, you know, coach, I'm, I'm going to be out for a while. It looks like I've got cancer. Uh, the coach should, should ask, well, can I share this with the team? You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And and then yep. hopefully that would be a thing that, that you're comfortable with. And then you get hopefully some support from your teammates. And that's what, that's what I mean, you know, a good teammate would do, you know, reach out and, and, and support that person. And just, and it, and like, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. Like you're saying, just, it could be just a message cool. in the middle of the day because you're, I imagine uh, with this amount of unknown and uncertainty, a good positive message in the middle of the day or at night, whatever it is, really could hit you pretty pretty well and feel really good. Yeah, it definitely, definitely. There's there there was definitely some times that I was feeling pretty down, and I could I'd, I'd get a message from somebody that maybe hadn't even talked to me for a while, you know, and just them saying, "Hey." heard what's going on we're thinking about you you know let us know if you need anything and it just it it feels really good to have have that kind of support and have just just to know that somebody's somebody's thinking about you out there that that you know isn't direct family or isn't you know somebody that's around you all the time yeah yeah that's awesome. It doesn't have to be necessarily cancer. Any of your teammates going through a hard time. No. It you know just a it's a kind word is pretty easy to do, and uh, and you can, you can go a long way. So that that's a that's great advice. Any advice for somebody who's actually going through this type of a thing? One thing that you got to remember is you can't let a diagnosis define you. Whether it's cancer, whether it's you know being diagnosed with diabetes or some other sort of of disease of that kind you you just got to continue doing what you which you know what the normal is you know um and that's a that was a hard thing for me to find was what normal was because normal changed it was you know things are different but i'm finding a new normal and that's just you got to focus on that you just got to got to focus on staying positive that's another thing i just the the power of positive thinking, you know, you can't, 
it's real easy whenever you're diagnosed with cancer or something like that just to get in a slump and be this super negative and be, you know, but you got to you got to think positive and you got to stay stay upbeat. You can't let you can't slide into that that negativity. Yeah. And that's 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 great that you're able to do that. It sounds like you were you tried to get on the mats as much as you could. And it sounds like some of your teammates were were very supportive. That also would probably help with your being being positive is getting those uh you know that contact with some of your teammates and friends and family. Oh yeah. So yeah. uh man. Uh, uh, you know, I really appreciate you coming on here and, and sharing your story. Uh any any final thoughts or advice you want to share with the audience? I don't think so. You know, I appreciate you having me on. And, uh, you know, like I said before, it's just if you got somebody in your gym that's going through, you know, like I said, going through anything, it doesn't have to be cancer. It doesn't have to be, you know, anything that serious. Let them know you're there for them. You know, reach out to them. Um, Sometimes that's that's will make all the difference in the world. What's if somebody wants to get a hold of you, ask you something would be a good way for them to do that. Um, I'm on Facebook, um, and I'm also, you could email me at joshmyers2020 at gmail.com. All right. Well, well thanks, man. I, I appreciate you. It was good seeing you at the BJJ Brick camp <laughs> uh, twice in a row. You're welcome to come yes. here anytime. Uh, you know, send me a, send me a message when you're, if you're coming into town to train, and I'll try to try to get there with you. But <laughs> you're, you're always welcome awesome. at Fox, man. Cool. Sounds good, man. I appreciate you having me on. All right, I appreciate you jumping on here with me. Man, I want to thank Josh for hopping on the show, uh, sharing his story. And uh, it's great to have have met somebody like him. You know, he came to the, the BJJ Brick camps, both of them so far. And uh, it, it's great to meet him and, and, and share his story with you guys. It's just a, it's a local story. There's probably some other stories, you know, maybe at a gym you know, that you're training at that's, that's similar. Uh, but really, I, I was impressed with his story and, and how really just kind of being involved in a rough activity caused a, uh, a a cut basically inside of his mouth that wouldn't heal and he had to go get it looked at which you know uh, you have cancer and uh, and this really kind of brought this to the surface and uh, without jiu-jitsu if he would have been you know working at a desk job all day at, or you know doing something that that didn't cause any you know that physical wear and tear or that uh, you know get out in the rough seas type of activity uh, that that make you a good captain. If he if he wasn't putting his body in in spots that pushed it, yeah, this might not have got to discover for, for quite a while. Yeah, and, and I've got to I've got to assume that it was instrumental in his recovery too. I mean, jujitsu is such a good social uh, environment, and physical exercise is good for you when you're going through tough things, and um, and going through cancer can be tough and depressing. And uh, I'm sure getting back on the mats when he was recovering was just a really good thing for him. And uh, he's a great guy. Yeah. And with a great, great team there as well. Well, Joe, we've, we're kind of making a possible change to the, the format of the show a little bit. Uh, we like to do an article just because it brings in other people's opinions and it brings in different content we wouldn't even thought about. But uh, we also like to do a question and answer. But really what happens is the show gets kind of long. <laughs> <laughs> but, so maybe we're thinking either one. And, and this week we have just a basic question about uh, what's the first top dominant position I should be working on? And that's an interesting question. Uh, you know, the, the first position from the, from the bottom would probably be guard or, uh, and it, you know, being able to escape to your guard. But from top, you have the option of, of being side control or mount or trying to transition to the back uh, from a top position, which is a, it's a great way to get to the back. So there's a few options you have. Joe, do you have a, a preference or do you have a sim- an example of somebody you've seen Pretty early on in jiu-jitsu, maybe the first six months or a year, and and what they work from the top, that's a, that's a good idea? Well, I, I have some thoughts on this. Uh, you and I have been talking recently about uh, how sometimes we get stuck in the first position that we have success with. And so it seems like for most people, the first top position they get good at is side control. But unfortunately, they get stuck there a little bit. So as I'm as I'm rethinking this whole thing, I'm thinking that side control is probably the first position you should work on. It's the first one you come to generally as you pass the guard. But when you work on side control, and this is kind of – I'm rethinking my own game. And um, I think instead of working on submissions from side control, your focus should be 
on securing side control and then advancing. You know, as important as it is to learn how to, say, attack the far arm, you also need to learn how to pop up the neon belly. You need how to do a like a reverse scarf hold and then go to mount, figure out a way to take the back. I think oftentimes we get top position, and, and what we're really looking for is smother, dominate, submit. And, and that's not a bad way to do it, but I think you really need to explore the whole hierarchy of positions. Yeah, that's that's interesting, Joe, as far as uh, not not working on a particular you know submission from there, but continue on. Uh, I don't know. It, it possibly depends on what you what you enjoy the most. I see it a lot of of new people will get side control uh, on me, and they just they pull that trigger to go for the armbar or to or to go for a kamara so fast that they don't really have time to set it up. And and it might be some value to learn how to to pin that person there. To develop that strong side control, it's like, man, this is hard to get out of here. This guy's fairly new, but he's doing a great job of, of controlling my, my couple of escapes that I have. Because usually, if you're fairly new and you're going to get somebody who's got a decent amount of experience and you try an, an, an actual attack, an arm bar um, or something like that, some space is created and a pretty easy escape is, is, is uh, achieved from the more, more skilled uh, person on the mat. So I don't know, maybe just staying tight, applying a bit of pressure from that side control. If that's where you're ending up, if you're, if you're able to, if your guard pass brings you right to mount, that's a great spot to be too. But if, oh, you're, if your guard pass brings you to side control, which is pretty common, maybe learning, learning how to control that position and, and that person. But yeah, ultimately it's really hard to finish somebody who's uh, significantly more skilled than you from, from even side control. It, it's a great spot to be. You're pretty safe. But but learning how to kind of get a good handle on the dynamics of that position without getting too excited too fast and just going for that submission because in reality I think a lot of times back in your head you're not going to keep it you, you okay I finally passed his guard I got about ten seconds till he's escaping if you can make that ten seconds twenty seconds and then in a month or two make it thirty seconds or a minute if you can hold somebody for a minute in side control that's an amazing accomplishment in jiu-jitsu, especially if they're skilled so. I'm not advocating just parking there and, and just smashing somebody for the entire time, but but working in position, uh, you know, dealing with their escapes and, and and learning from there. That's that's not that's a good good way to learn jujitsu. Yeah, I would give that a double endorsement for the smaller guys specifically. If you're 170 or less and you're typically rolling with guys that are 190, 210, 220. Um, yeah, if you can keep those guys on their back, if they've got some skill and you can keep them on your back, you've really accomplished something. And um, so, yep, go for that. Yeah, jo- Joe, you're a, uh, a guy who likes neon belly, and I've definitely experienced that with you. <laughs> uh, would that, is that just a little bit too tricky to pick up uh, early on? Oh, I actually don't think so. I mean, it might not be the simplest thing, but I don't know. What is it? It's like an explosive push-up to... You got your knee on the belly, and, it, and it, if it fails, you go back to side control. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Um, it's it's worth playing with anyway. Yeah. Just know that it's, I mean, you're in a good spot. Don't be in too big of a hurry. And you know, like Joe was saying, play, play around, see what you, what you find. But uh, I, it's, I'm always like, you get there, somebody gets there on me, and they're, and they're fairly new, and they just... They just waste it so fast on armbar they didn't really stand a chance at. Like they never isolated my elbow, but they tried to armbar you know my forearm instead. Like it should have stayed in side control a little longer, man. Yep. <laughs> so. And that and that's a concept that applies to to the whole of jujitsu. Um, it's lazy. I hate to even admit it, but uh, for guys less experienced than me, when they get the mount. I almost just want to give them an arm bar because they, they rush it, they swing into it so fast, and I, I just end up on top, you know? So, um, yeah, whether it's side control, whether it's mount, really concentrate on securing the position and having good fundamentals, and then um, the submission will come. Yeah, the, the, and, and the more strong your position is, the more desperate Joe's going to give you that arm. The more the, the more he's like, man, just, just get off of me, you know, do something. Yeah. And, and you get a better shot at it than if they feel safe and secure and like, well, he's going to go for something, or this isn't that tight of a position. I'm going to get out on my own accord. Uh, make them feel like there's no way out other than something bad happening, <laughs> or you get a chance at something uh, at a good attack. But interesting idea. Uh, you know, I think it applies to many parts of your game. I want to give a quick shout out to a few of our Patreon supporters. David, Mindy, and Mark have been 
three loyal supporters for quite a while. Uh, had the chance to meet Mindy, I, I, and I've talked with, with David quite a bit online. And, and Mark, I know you're out there listening to the show, so thank you uh, guys for the support on Patreon. Now what David, Mindy, and Mark have is a 5-inch BJ Brick Gee Patch. Uh, they have the throwback style <laughs> uh, patch with just, just Gary and myself on there. But we've got a new patch, so there's never been uh, really a better time to get on Patreon and, uh, and, and support us because the, the, the appreciation package I mail out has two Gee Patches, both 5 inches. The new one is... it's. It's a beautiful patch. It, it looked good on any gi. It's it's got a lot of great details to it, and it's got all three of your amigos on there, uh, choking each other and foot locking and and microphone cord choke and everything. It's all there, guys. <laughs> but uh, you know, and the the bright side, Byron, is uh, if you're a Patreon supporter and you've got the new gi patch and and you decide sometime down the road that you don't want to support the show anymore maybe uh gary pisses you off or something yeah and pe- and people say what's with that gee patch you can always just tell them it's the three stooges and they'll, <laughs> they'll believe it three ugly guys on a key patch. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a cartoon uh look to it there um yeah that's that's a good point joe i never thought about that being an issue but uh, <laughs> well, you know, you know how Gary is. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he's bound to make people upset. He, I'll tell you what, he's not officiating weddings. That's for sure. No. Uh, but, you know, so I, I did want to say, you know, David, Mindy and Mark and anybody who's been a, uh, a already a supporter of the show, they haven't got the new patch. And I want you guys to get it. If you if you want that patch, send me a message at BJJBrick at gmail.com and just let me know your current address and say, hey, I'm a current Patreon supporter. Uh, I'd like the new patch, and I will get it in the mail as quick as I can and uh, send you that, that token of your continued support. So the new people get both, and and I throw a sticker in there as well. The new people get both, but if you've been supporting, I definitely don't want to shortchange you. So uh, I wanted to give you that new patch, guys, so just let me know where you're at, and I'll send it on its way. Anywhere, uh, all of our Patreon supporters, we got people all over the globe, and uh, the good thing is the postal system works globally. <laughs> it's pretty easy. Pretty easy. So uh, next week, my friends, we have a topic episode, and we I guess we've kind of covered this a little bit today, which will make Gary a little behind the game, <laughs> per usual. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, next week's topic I think will be very valuable. We'll talk about learning from your rolling. So we all know when you're learning techniques, you're learning jiu-jitsu and, and trying to incorporate things into your game. When you're watching videos, you're trying to learn some jiu-jitsu, uh, but when you're rolling... I also want you to be learning as much as you can. And we're going to share some tips and some uh, wisdom, what little we have in that category. But it's, it's very valuable to make your rolling time not just a, a time to battle and to spar, but make it a time for education and learning as well. Because that's, I think that's, that's a huge uh, a change in your training is to make your rolling time educational. It's like learning just at a super uh, efficient rate, if you could do that. I, you know, hey, for the listeners, all of the content that you've heard on this podcast is pretty much as we recorded it. Me and Byron got on. We went through it. We've only been on the phone for about 30 minutes. When Gary's part of the show, oh, my God, it takes an hour and 20 minutes. He refers <laughs> to jujitsu as karate sometimes. He can't remember the name of the guest. He tells inappropriate <laughs> jokes. Byron's got to spend six hours editing. So I'm not saying. I'm just saying. So This has flown by. <laughs> and and I've had to edit out a doorbell sound. <laughs> That's about it, isn't it, Joe? <laughs> but yeah, no, we we miss Gary. It'll be good to have him back next week. Yeah, if I don't cut out one or two dirty jokes, so <laughs> uh, you know, we we have some some uh, humor that's on the edge. Obviously, we're not throwing out a thousand f bombs every show. You guys, by this time of the show, you know what to expect. But our kind of our goal is, if there's kids in the car and you want to tell kind of a inappropriate topic or whatever. If it would go over the head of most children, I think that's kind of what we're going for. <laughs> I did so, not know that. I think I think I hit that goal automatic just because I'm go. not a very good yeah. joke teller. <laughs> I mean, Gary talked about his, uh, his 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 lethal weapon being a bit ineffective as he's gotten because <laughs> <laughs> it's a snub nose. <laughs> there you go. But those are the jokes that we get to keep from Gary. If you ever get to meet him in yeah. person, uh, they, they get a bit worse. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, he'll hopefully be back next week because with the topic episodes, we really need all three of these uh, stooges pulling their weight to, to make them really work well. So we're hoping to get everybody back next week. I don't know why we wouldn't. But uh, anyway, yeah, so, so, since we can't muster up one great mind, uh, three mediocre minds uh, will have to do so. But there'll be a lot more editing involved on my head. That's part of the game. But until then, stay sweaty, my friends. Don't forget to shower. Well, I, okay, you got Gary's part. Your part's a little bit harder. It's uh, train smart, train hard. You got to do both. <laughs> Don't forget to shower. Train hard, train smart, get better, guys. We'll see you on the mats. There you go. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu.